Welcome to the Evangel Temple Youth Ministries Podcast. You're about to listen to another message from Pastor Isaac Worley. We pray that this message would be instrumental in God speaking to you and drawing you closer to Him. Now, here's today's sermon. We have been in the series called Dear God. And this is our last week, if you saw on social media, uh, this is our last week of the series. I hope you've enjoyed it. You can look at all um, of what we've been talking about thus far. Uh, You can listen to it on the podcast or whatnot. Um, I won't be able to recap all of it. I I was actually talking to Sarah before the sermon of what all I can cut out to make sure it's a condensed sermon, and that was actually part of it. I'm cutting out the recap of what we've been talking about, but we've just been talking about, very generally, prayer and how we can make it a part of our lives. Tonight, I want to talk about when we pray, when we should pray, when in our day we can designate for prayer. That's what we're talking about, when, the question when. And if you're like me and how I've been in prepping this sermon, it's kind of an uncomfortable topic, actually. If you're a Christian, and I know it might not be the case that everyone in here is, but if you are, it might be that you could join the company of myself and uh, say that it's a little bit uncomfortable to admit to other people how often you pray. It might just be a little uncomfortable for you. It is for me to talk about, uh, I don't volunteer regularly to talk about uh, how consistently I pray throughout my day or how many, if I, if I had to like keep a roll of how many numbers or how many numbers, how many minutes a day I designate for prayer, it's not always a number that I really want to volunteer to other Christians because uh, I might be a little ashamed of it. And so, um, When I say that we're talking about when we pray, how often we pray, how frequently, at what times of the day, it might be something that might put a pit in your stomach because it's something you don't want to admit or think about. That's why we're talking about it, because we need to think about that. Uh, When we pray. It's important. Prayer is obviously important, uh, and I don't think we deny that, but for some reason we still don't always incorporate it as heavily as we should. Uh, this, this quote I like from Tim, Ke- Tim Keller. Uh, he says, The infallible test of spiritual integrity, Jesus says, is your private prayer life. So that is to say, the, the perfect, uh, the, yeah, the perfect, I guess is the best way to say that, the perfect test of your spiritual stature or how spiritual you are is your prayer life. Maybe that pit just got a little bit deeper, <laughs> a little more uncomfortable because maybe your prayer life isn't where you feel like it should be, or what the Bible calls it us to, uh, to have. So when we should be praying, our prayer life is a perfect test of our spiritual integrity, of our spiritual stature, where we are spiritually. And so uh, I want to talk about, uh, the, the next 20 minutes or so, how we can really get better at praying more consistently, and uh, where we can... Maybe make it more of a normal practice in our daily lives. Uh, But before we do that, we need to ask the reason, why is it that we don't pray as regularly as we should? Why is it that when we finish our day, we might be laying there, head on the pillow, about to fall asleep, and we realize, oh man, I didn't pray at all. I didn't read the Bible. I didn't pray to God at all. Why, Why is it that we just forget and we don't pray, and a whole day can escape us, and we never even think about it? Why is that? Well, I think partly it's because um, we don't always believe in the, the power in prayer. We don't believe that it can actually do something incredible. I think that's part of it. Um, but if I'm being honest, yeah, I, sometimes I, you know, I, 
I question or, you know, my, my faith maybe wavers a little bit in the power of prayer, and I have to just jump in those times. I have to go back to the scriptures and just see, like, how powerful it is and what it really can do in, per, in a person's life and really build my faith back up that prayer really can make a difference. Sometimes I waver in that, uh, but I'd say on an average, I really don't have that problem. I really believe that when I pray, something's going to happen, but still, I don't always pray. So what is uh, the reason that we could go a whole day and not think about prayer or actually engage in praying, I don't think it's all just because we don't believe in the power of prayer. I think we can believe in the power of prayer and still not always pray. I think it's because we don't always establish when we should be praying. I don't, we, I don't think we actually solidify and think specifically, when should we pray? So that's what we're going to talk about. When, when should we pray? We don't, I, I don't think it's enough to say just sometimes or uh, whenever, whenever we say, I will just fit it in. I don't think that's enough. I think we need to be more specific of when, when do we pray. I have, a, I have it written down here, plans that are not specified are plans that never happen. If we don't specify when we're going to pray, we won't end up praying. Just saying whenever doesn't seem to be enough. Right, And so I think we need to really specify when is it that we're going to pray, what times of the day, uh, what circumstances is it that, that are going to lead us to, to pray and to stop and to push everything else around us out and to say, I'm going to spend time talking to you because of X. We need to decide specifically, when do we pray? Because right now, that question isn't answered in a specific way. It's just, yeah, I try to pray when I can. And the fruits of that we can see, at least in my life and maybe in your own life as well, you can, you can attest to that doesn't make that great of an impact. And it's not that efficient. It doesn't work well when you say, yeah, I just try to pray sometimes. If that's your plan, it might not be happening. And so we need to make specific plans of how to pray. I mean, just think about it. Like, how many times have you ever, show of hands here, be honest, vulnerable, have you ever told somebody, yeah, let's hang out, let's do it, uh, I'll text you, and then you walk away, and then you see him next time, and you're like, ooh, we were supposed to hang out. Next time, let's hang out. Hey, honestly, for real, soon, let's hang out. Come on. Oh, I know, two, two honest people in the room. Amen. Amen. Okay, thank you. I do that all the time, and by like the fourth or fifth time, I'm like, okay, I am really sorry. I know I need to hang out with you, so, so let's do it. And so what do you do? What do you guys do? Back row, what do you guys do? Whenever you're like, okay, you, you, I, I need to hang out with you, and I keep just saying, yeah, let's hang out, let's hang out, uh, and we never actually do it, what's the fix? Do you do it? <laughs> I specify the plan. I say, okay, you know what? We're actually going to lock it in. Pull out your calendar right now. Let's lock it in. Noon tomorrow, we're having lunch. We specify the plan so that it actually happens. I think in our own prayer lives, we need to specify when are we going to pray so that we can actually see it happen and we won't let another day go by without it happening. We need to specify when we're going to pray. Because if we don't, get this, this is so important. Because this is us right now. This is me. This is me right now and maybe it's you. When we don't specify when, and it doesn't end up happening, and then we're laying in our bed at night, and we say, oh man, I forgot again. When we don't specify the plans, he, God, ends up getting just a little, little bit here and there, 
of prayer time. He, he gets worked into the gaps, maybe, of our, of our day, right? He gets, to say it maybe more bluntly and honestly, he gets the scraps of our time. Those little few moments, 30 seconds here and there, when we feel bad and guilty, oh, I forgot to pray again, and we'll just say a quick prayer to make ourselves feel a little bit better. But still, God's sitting there realizing he's not dumb. He knows he's getting the scraps of our time worked into the gaps of things that we put uh, as more of a priority than him in our lives, and he's worked in, wiggled in just a little bit here and there. We can read in Malachi chapter 1, same type of circumstance. These people, ha- they, they were going to give sacrifices to God, right? And instead of picking the, the, the calf or the goat that was so great and it was amazing and it was, it was the one that would probably feed the family the best and it was strong and it wasn't sick or anything. Uh, instead of giving that to God as a genuine sacrifice, something that really is giving up something that's valuable to them, rather than doing that, they gave God the scraps. They gave God the diseased animals. They gave God the, the animals with broken bones and they couldn't do anything. They, they wouldn't help the, the farm. They, they gave God the animals that they were going to have to put down anyway. They said, well, let's just sacrifice that one to God. They gave God the scraps of their sacrifices. In Malachi chapter one, God says, I reject that and I reject you because if you really do serve me as your God, I deserve more than scraps. That's message version. <laughs> it's not really what it says. <laughs> but gener- he, he, he wants our best if we proclaim that he really is the most important And I think, just like the Israelites with their sacrifices, we might be giving God our scraps when it comes to our time and our prayer life. And so not to make you feel like guilty or whatever, and just to deepen the pit in your stomach, I really want to spend the the next few minutes in really helping you think through and just really ponder, how can I be better about not giving God the scraps? How can I be better about giving God uh, the time that he deserves? And not just getting the time right before I fall asleep and I'm half awake and I'm trying to keep my eyes open so I can say a full sentence to God and it's only kind of coherent because I'm only kind of awake. Instead of giving God that time, I really want to give God the time he deserves. And so if that's you, I want, I want you to start thinking about how can I make that happen? Practically speaking, how can I make that happen? And so this is going to be a really practical sermon. Um, but as you're thinking through that, let me help you and kind of give you guidelines. And as you think that through, uh, what would that look like practically? Let me kind of help you walk through um, some things to consider. Okay? How can we practically give God what he deserves in our prayer time? Uh, I think we should pray when we are prompted and when we uh, plan it. Pray when prompted and when planned. So as you're thinking for yourself, it looks different for everyone, right? Because we all have different de- times. Uh, we, we, we don't have all different times. We all have different schedules. Our days all look differently. And so uh, what works for one person to pray at this certain time might look completely different for this other person. And so it's all different across this room when works best for us to pray. Um, so you, you're going to have to figure this out on your own. When are you going to pray? When are you going to give God at the time that he deserves? But um, generally speaking, to help you kind of walk through that and figure that out for yourself sitting there, uh, I think we should pray when prompted and when planned. So what do I mean by that? Well, when we're talking about prompted, I'm meaning when, when events happen in our lives, when things happen, when, when things occur in your life that would lead you to say, 
okay, I need, I need to stop. I need to halt uh, everything going on, and I just, need to, I just need to pray to God about this. That thing that just happened, I really need to pray to God. We should, we should look for promptings, events in our lives, occurrences that would lead us to say, okay, that was, that was special, and I really need to stop and pray to God. We need to look for promptings. Um, specifically two of them, when great things happen. I think when great things happen, we should stop and celebrate with the one that made that thing happen. I think it's a temptation for us. Hear this. It's so true. It's a, it's a temptation for us to leave God out of the celebration that he caused in the first place. It's a temptation to leave God out of the celebration that he caused in the first place. We shouldn't leave God out of his own celebration. He caused that great thing to happen in your life. He only deserves to be thanked and worshipped and praised for. And so when great things happen, we should prioritize prayer to God for it. Let's look in uh, Luke chapter 17. We see a little passage that talks about this. And um, it says, While traveling to Jerusalem, he, that is Jesus, passed between Samaria and Galilee, as he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. That's a physical skin disease, if you didn't know. Um, it said they stood at a distance and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Okay, so catch this. Ten guys, all sick, all ten of them recognized that Jesus was their master and that he had power to give them mercy. This is pretty far along in Jesus' ministry at this point, Luke chapter 17. And so these guys likely have heard stories of how Jesus has uh, healed paralytics, gave sight to the blind, and he raised people from the dead. They've probably heard stories of how he has not only healed people, but as doing so, claimed to forgive their sins. And so they have realized that Jesus has divine attributes, power from God. I don't know if they actually understand that he is God in man form, but they definitely understand that he is from God and has the power to do what only God can do. And so they, all ten of them, okay, I want you to catch that, all ten of them at this point are recognizing Jesus is great and has authority to do something powerful in their lives, okay? Uh, but then it says, when he saw them, he told them, go, show yourselves to the priest, and while they were going, they were cleansed. So before they got to the priest, before the priest could do anything or say anything, they were healed but we keep reading. Verse 15, but one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice, picture this, one guy returns, and with a loud voice, he gave glory to God. He fell face down at Jesus' feet, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. Okay, so he is just so unapologetic about just saying, thank you so much, worshiping God for the celebration that he caused for the great thing that he made happen. Then Jesus said, where uh, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't any return and give glory to God except this foreigner? It's a temptation for us to leave God out of the celebration that he caused in the first place. But when we have great things happen, amazing things happen that we want to celebrate and get so excited about, we need to prioritize thinking the person that made it happen. We should look for these promptings. Consider great things that happen in your life as promptings to pray. 
I know for Sarah and I, in our own lives, uh, whenever she got her job, she, she got, got a job locked in the uh, last couple months, I think. I don't know exactly when. Uh, but when that happened, we were so excited. And I remember we wanted to tell uh, family and, and call parents and tell friends and, and what are we going to say on Facebook? How are we going to word it? You know, all these different things. Like We're so excited about something so great and what a blessing to our family. But I also remember us stopping and trying to do what this is calling us to do and say, you know what? Our parents can find out in five minutes. That's fine. We need to stop and we just need to pray and just thank God. Our parents can wait. Facebook can wait. Who cares about doing that? We need to spend time thanking God because he made this great thing happen. I think sometimes we fall asleep at night and we forget to pray because we don't look for the promptings of thanking God for the great things that he's done. Look for those promptings. Great things that happen that we should say, you know what, I'm going to stop everything else. I'm not going to celebrate with this person. I can do that later. I want to just get on my knees and just spend time thanking God because he is so great. We forget to thank the one who deserves it. So look for that. That's one prompting uh, is when great things happen. The second one is when bad things happen. We should look for those promptings to be able to look to God, the one that saves, the one that redeems, the one that restores, the one that helps and saves and picks us up out of the mire and the dirt and the mud uh, of life and he's able to salvage what no one else could. We should look for those situations in our lives and consider them promptings to spend time in prayer. And I know that sounds a little ridiculous and like obviously, yeah, I know I should pray whenever I am in need and I need God to help me out. But get this, okay? I think it seems obvious now, but it's not always obvious in the moments when you are hurting and when you're suffering. So think about your own personal life, okay? Think with me here. It seems obvious right now to say, you know what, whenever I'm hurting, whenever something horrible is happening, I need to go to God in prayer because God is powerful. It seems obvious, right? But in the moment when you feel like you need to talk to that person and salvage that relationship or when you, when you feel like you need to uh, call this person or do this or try to fix the circumstance yourself, whenever you feel like you have to just rush and do something to fix the problem and try to figure things out and try to get more information of what's happening and, and what's gone wrong, it, it seems tedious. It seems a little ridiculous to stop everything and to pray. And the moment when we're hurting it doesn't seem practical. It seems very impractical to stop and pray to God. It seems like it might not actually do something, or at least not as much as if I could actually go do something and try to fix it myself, right? It seems perfectly logical now, but it seems very illogical in the moment. It seems very impractical in the moment when you're hurting and when there's issues going on around you to stop and say, I'm pushing everything else out. I need to pray. And everyone else is like, well, you've got to figure this out. You've got to figure No, I've got to pray. I need God to do something. That seems very impractical, very illogical, tedious. But we should look for bad things happening. And not just now think that we're going to pray, but actually think we're going to pray and actually do it when those bad things happen. We should consider bad things happening in our lives as promptings to pray to God. We see Jesus does this as an example in Luke chapter 6, verse 11. It says that they, being the scribes and the Pharisees, 
were filled with rage and they started discussing with one another what they might do to Jesus. And I just want to stop here, okay? So please don't casualize this passage or I don't know actually how I don't know how else to say it. Don't just skim through this passage. It's so easy to do it and not think about what this actually means in real life. It's so easy to read the Bible and get used to it and just not think twice about what it's saying. Jesus was a real man. He was a human, like me and you. Lived in a society made up of real people. Rubbed shoulders with people. He walked through the streets with real people. He was a living, breathing God that had emotions and feelings, and he was socially rejected by the masses. A lot of people liked him because he did really great things, and he healed their brother and sister, and so they they really flocked to him for that. But a lot of people hated him and talked bad about him, sneered at him, and he knew all of that. They wanted to kill him. I know that we might not be liked by some people, or you might not be the most popular person in the school, but you might not have crowds of people talking about you, and you know when they're over there pointing over at you, they're, they're talking about how they're going to kill you, literally kill you. That was Jesus' social life. So, so we need to pick up on that and not just casualize what we're reading here. Jesus was hated by the most respected people in his town. The people that really ruled the, the political and the religious social life. They hated him and they tried to make everyone else hate him. This was Jesus' reality. And so uh, in that, we would say that's a pretty bad deal. During those days, he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. When bad things are happening, when you're in the valley, consider those promptings to spend extra time with God and to stop and spend time praying to the one who picks you up and gives you the endurance to make it through what it is you're going through. It even gets worse for him. Uh, if you know the story of Jesus, he isn't only socially criti- uh, criticized and talked about how people want to kill him, but they actually succeed in that. Um, in Luke chapter 22, towards the end of the, the book, it says, being in anguish, he knew that he was about to die that next morning. He, he knew that it was happening. He had the foreknowledge of knowing the time is near and it's about to happen, and so he had his disciples over there praying, and so he went and prayed, and doing that, it says in verse 44, being in anguish, he prayed more fervently. It doesn't say that earlier in the Bible when Jesus was having a great time and he was feeling really good, he prayed all the more fervently. No, it was when Jesus was in anguish, he prayed more fervently. The more anguish, the more passionate the prayer. Jesus prayed, he considered these horrible things, the pain, the anguish as promptings to pray that much more. He was in anguish. He prayed more fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. We should pray when we're prompted. Both good things, the the highs, as well as bad things, the lows. We should consider these abnormalities of our our, our day, because our day isn't made up of huge mountaintops and, and deep valleys. It's always somewhere in the middle, right? But we should consider those times, abnormal times in our day, as promptings to say, you know what? That was something special. I need to stop and I need to pray. Either celebrating the victory or mourning and calling out to the God that saves. Whatever it is, 
they should be promptings for us to pray. So as you're thinking right now of when can I be praying more often in my life, how can I not fall asleep uh, and just continually forgetting when I should pray, look for promptings, okay? Look for promptings. Does anyone else remember the other part of this sentence, the main point? When plant, man, who said that? Oh, way back there, I air high five. Pray when prompted and when planned. I thought it was Savannah, so I was about to give Savannah a high five. <laughs> you can take credit. <laughs> pray when planned. And what does that mean? What does it mean to say, uh, I- I'm going to pray when I plan it? Well, that's on your shoulders to figure out when am I going to pray. When am I going to designate in my daily life, not, not the highs, not the lows, not those uh, abnormal times prompted, but in the normalcy of life, somewhere in the middle there, uh, we need to have set times designated for prayer so that whenever we, don't, whenever we have a day that isn't, doesn't have a huge high, doesn't have a deep low, somewhere in the middle, we don't miss out on praying with God. We need to have those worked into our daily lives to where no matter what happens, even if nothing crazy happens, we still spend time with God and give him the time that he deserves. We need to work in planned times. Planned times to pray. We know that Jesus did this. Uh, Luke 5, we're, we're spending a lot of time in Luke here, but um, it says, but the, good, but the news about Jesus spread even more and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Yet, okay, so this was a normal thing that was happening in his life. Yet, he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. This was a normal thing that he did. Not in response to something crazy happening, but it was a normal thing he did. He put times in his life to pray. And we actually know that this is Jewish tradition. Okay, he was a Jew. Um, It was Jewish tradition to spend designated times every day. They had designated prayer times. It's a great thing that I think we should be doing. So Jesus did that. He often withdrew to deserted places and he prayed. We need to be able to say these kind of things. And we know not only Jesus did that, but Paul did that. Because again, he was a Jew all growing up. He was a Pharisee. He was a really good Jew. Uh, and so he definitely followed the Jewish uh, prayer situation. I don't know what times or what they were even called. Uh, but he definitely followed those prayer times throughout the day. And that's why he was able to say uh, these things in Colossians, Ephesians. First Thessalonians says this. Romans 1.10 says this. Uh, he says he's in all of his letters, things that I don't know if you and I could actually be able to say. He says things like, for this reason also, this is Colossians 1.9, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. He's able to say that because he is consistently praying, regularly makes it a part of his daily life. And because of that, he's able to tell people without lying and being genuine, being serious, he's able to say, I'm consistently praying for you, man. I don't know who I could say that about. Sarah, maybe. I'm regularly praying for But he's able to say that to, to, to city after city, church after church. He says that in almost all of his letters. Colossians and Ephesians are just two of multiple, where he's able to say that about so many people. Can we say that about one or two people? Because he planned times to pray. Ephesians 1:15, since I heard about your faith. In the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stopped giving thanks for you as I remembered you in my prayers. We need planned times in our day to pray. And so what does this look like practically? I'm wrapping up here. What does this look like practically? How can we incorporate scheduled times? Because I know a lot of you guys are like, I'm crazy busy. I don't know how this is going to work. 
Let me give you guys four things to consider, four things that really helped me, and, uh, and see if this might be able to work into your situation. Because I think, actually, when you consider it, you have a lot of downtime, a lot of tasks that you do that might be mindless that you can incorporate prayer into. You're like, not me. Well, we'll see, okay? Uh, <laughs> you probably have more than you think. The first thing that I would say, I've got four here. Uh, the first thing that I would say is that you start your day in prayer. The waking up, even if it's just like, you're rushed, your alarm went off and you slept in, even if it's just stopping and just saying, God, help me today. Make it a normal practice to pray right when you get up. I do this, I get up every morning and I go into my office across the hall from my room and, and I sit down at the desk and I read the Bible. Before I do that, I pray to dedicate my time in prayer to God and the rest of my day, I pray. And actually, I pray the same exact prayer every morning. I don't even know if Sarah knows that. I pray the exact same prayer every morning. It's written in a book, and I read it, and I stop, and I really genuinely uh, kind of position my heart like we did at the beginning of the service for whenever I read this to mean it. And I really think about it. I, I really focus on every sentence, every clause, to where I don't just read it, and I don't make it just some normal practice, but I really mean what I'm reading and what I'm praying. Let me read a, a part of it. I think I have a part here. Yeah. This is a prayer I read every morning. I, read it, I, I prayed this this morning. Almighty God, as I cross the threshold of this day, I commit myself, my soul, my body, my affairs, my friends, all to your care. Watch me, keep me, bless me, incline my heart to your ways, mold me wholly into the image of Jesus as a potter would form clay. May my lips be well-tuned harp, uh, to sound your praise, let those around me see me living by your spirit. And the prayer goes on. But I pray that every morning, genuinely meaning it, dedicating my day, dedicating what I'm about to read in scripture, I'm really wanting to spend time in prayer preparing for the day. And so maybe that could be something that you could do, is starting your day off praying, dedicating what's going to happen in the affairs of your day. That's one thing that I would say, start your day off in prayer. Uh, two, um, natural transitions throughout your day, whenever you transition either from uh, getting ready to getting in the car or the bus to go to school, or maybe it is the car uh, between home and school, or whenever you're uh, from school going to practice, or when you're from practice going home, or whenever you're going from uh, dinner to watching a movie, whatever it is, that whenever you transition from one thing happening in your day to the next, that you would spend time in prayer dedicating the next thing to God and asking that he would help you look for opportunities to share the gospel, to look for opportunities of how to be able to glorify God in what you're about to do. Whatever it is, as you transition from one thing to another, just spend a, a little bit of time praying for what's about to happen. That's something that I heard uh, advice from uh, a pastor down in Dallas. His name is Matt Chandler, and he does this, and uh, I try to. Um, it really is helpful. From meeting to meeting, if I'm meeting with back-to-back -back people, I pray in between. So God would really help me be able to not think about all these other things going on, but he would really help me focus. So maybe that's what you need to do in between classes. God, help me focus and really learn the best I can in this upcoming class. Pray in transitional times in your day. That, that would be the second thing I would say. The third thing is journal your prayers. I always try to push journaling, um, but I do that after I read the Bible every morning. I journal, and this has been really helpful for me. If you're, come on, I need a show of hands here. Who's ADHD to the max here? Uh, come on, be honest. Who's, or at least scatterbrained? Anyone scatterbrained here? Um, or, well, that's me. Uh, thank you. 
I know you are, Devin. <laughs> I, I should have just—I just, just should have just looked over at you, brother. Um, <laughs> hey, honestly, if this is you and your mind kind of just twitters away and it wanders while you're praying, journaling your prayers is very helpful because it makes you slow down and really articulate what you're praying and really think about what it is that I want to talk to God about. And you don't just start thinking about uh, your test tomorrow, but you have to write down what you're talking to God about. So I would say journal. Uh, Spend some time journaling. And then the fourth fourth thing is find those mindless times in your day and designate one of them to really be a time where you're dedicating to prayer. I have a friend that, uh, for a job, he stocks shelves, and he doesn't have to talk to anyone while he does it. So he, as he stocks shelves, he prays. And so therefore, he gets a lot of minutes in every day praying, probably to the extent where we could be really jealous of his prayer life, because he designates a mindless task at time doing that in prayer. Uh, maybe that's you on the bus, and if any of you guys are like, well, I don't have any times in my day where I do mindless tasks well, I pray to Jesus that you shower every day. And so maybe it's the shower that you need to just be spending time praying to God. Honestly, make your shower time praying. I know that sounds crazy, but these are practical ways so that we don't fall asleep at night thinking, oh, I gave God the scraps again. When he deserves so much more, he does deserve so much more. Let me share one story and then we're going to wrap up here. Um, Sarah and I, my senior year of high school, or high school, college, uh, my senior year of college, we went to my professor's house for dinner, uh, us and a number of other evangel students, and we went to, we went to my, uni- my university professor's house, and, uh, and it was just dinner, it was a casual hangout, but then he wanted to, he wanted to spend some time in prayer together. I'm like, okay, yeah, we, we can pray together, That's, I mean, we're spiritual people, so let's pray. Um, let me tell you about that little prayer time that we had. It was over an hour, maybe an hour and a half, of passionate, in the spirit, on our knees, crying out, all verbally praying to God, passionate prayer. It was crazy. But let me tell you, I was extremely uncomfortable, I'll be honest. Uh, for about 99.9% of it, I was extremely uncomfortable. You want to know why? Because I had never prayed like that, like all these other people praying. I didn't, I didn't know what it was like to pray so passionately and deeply and crying out for so long. I've, I've, one minute prayers, you know, I'm pretty good at those. Two minute, you know, if I'm really feeling it, drawing out. I've never prayed like my professor prayed over all of us. I mean, there was like words in the spirit and all these other things crazy happening. This man is such a man of God that I respect and I look up to, but that night I was so jealous of him. Whenever I left after I, the un- discomfort kind of faded away, I was jealous because I wanted a prayer life like he had, like I saw that night. But this is the bottom line, guys. I want you to get this. I won't have that if I don't look for promptings in my life to pray and I don't plan times to pray. If I'm not intentional with my prayer life, I will never pray like that professor. I will never have a prayer life that is so passionate like him. And neither will you. Neither will you. If we don't plan times to pray, and if we don't look for promptings, if we're not intentional with our prayer, we won't be. We'll let the day fade, fade away and go on without us praying just like it maybe has been for you. 
We need to know when to pray. When good things happen, when bad things happen, and in between, on decent days, on normal days, when nothing crazy happens, we need to have set times to where we still don't miss our prayer time. Because we believe in the power of prayer. And our prayer life is the perfect test of our spiritual integrity and where we're at spiritually. But if we don't set those times and we don't look for those promptings, hear me, we're gonna forget and we're not gonna pray and we're gonna continue to give God the scraps. Let's not do that. Let's give God what he deserves. Let's give God the time that we owe him. Not even, we can't can't do that. We owe him our entire lives. Let's give him so much more than we are currently. I know we can do that much. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you want to find out more about our youth ministry or any other ministry here at Evangel Temple, you can visit our website at etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.